RadioInfluence.com. Welcome into a new episode of the MMA Report Podcast with Daniel Calvon. I am Jason Foy. It is UFC 280 Fight Week. We're going to get you ready for UFC 280 a little bit later on in the show. Also, huge uh, shout out to our sponsor for this episode, NordVPN. We'll tell you about the special offer they have for the MMA Report Podcast listener later on in the show. Now, if you're watching this on video form, you can see it right there in the bottom of the screen of that uh, unique URL you can go to. We'll tell you about the great offer they have for the MMA Report podcast listener later on in the show. Daniel, where I want to start this episode is uh, basically the things I have seen on MMA Twitter over the past couple of days. One uh, I would categorize in the I'm not so surprised. Another one is just literally the SMH emoji. And the other one is regional fighters. Man, some of these matches you make are just insane. Then we'll get into UFC 280. But uh, how you doing, bro? I'm doing absolutely great, Jason. Man, I've had this weekend on my calendar ever since the top three fights of this uh, UFC 280 fight card were announced. It's one of the uh, the deepest shows of the entire year in this great sport. I'm looking forward to breaking it down and previewing it. But hey, man, it's MOB postseason time. I'll get up in the old batter box. And why don't you throw me a couple pitches, man? What'd you see on the MMA Twitter world? So first off, it comes from a tweet from Aaron Hawani where he obtained a memo that Hunter Campbell, the UFC chief business officer, sent out to all athletes and managers that was, uh, this is the Cliff Notes version. Uh, you can't bet on UFC fights anymore. That That's the Cliff Notes version of it. Uh, the part that is in bold in this memo is, it goes, in light of clear direction that we receive from regulators responsible for the regulated sports betting industry in the United States, we are compelled at this time to recognize in the UFC athlete conduct policy certain restrictions relating to wagering bar athletes, members of their teams, and certain others. Uh, another bold part in this uh, memo was, in order to assist our athletes in understanding their obligation under the laws of majority of the states, which states betting is permitted, and in further support of these integrated measures UFC has incorporated wagering pro, uh, prohibition into the UFC athlete conduct policy expressly prohibiting athletes from wagering on any UFC match we have also provided some additional information to assist athletes determining the potential scope of state imposed wagering restrictions on others note this policy does not prohibit UFC athletes from entering into sponsorship agreements with sports betting companies UFC athletes may continue to pursue, pursue such sponsorships in accordance with the Apple law. Uh, and then also uh, what was attached in this was wagering where it says athletes are prohibited from placing any wagers directly or through a third party on any UFC match, including placing wagers on themselves in most states with legalized sports betting wagering by an athlete directly or through a party on any match match put on by a promoter with which they are affiliated is illegal and may result in criminal sanctions. Athletes should be aware in those most states that these prohibitions apply to all athletes of relatives living in the same household as the athlete and athletes, coach managers, handlers, athletic trainers, medical professionals and staff, and any other person with access to non-public information regarding participants in a MMA match, an athlete that becomes aware or has acknowledged of any wagering in violation of these policies must immediately notify the UFC of such instance in accordance with the UFC athlete conduct policy. Daniel, here's my just general thought is 
I am not surprised the UFC went this route. I saw some reaction on social media, whether it was on, on my on my Facebook timeline or over on Twitter, where it seemed like a lot of people were just caught off guard by this one. Like, but like this is a policy that is in all major sports. Like, so I'm not surprised the UFC went this method. I I would be fascinated to know what ultimately led them to say the time is now to do this makes me kind of wonder, did something happen? But uh, my overall thought on this is yeah, not surprised. It's all James Krause's fault. Okay. He just got too popular, right? He goes (laughs) on the Emmy hour. He pimps out his betting uh, YouTube. He talks about how he bets on his own fighters. And uh, I think he just got too popular and maybe people were starting to think this is kind of weird. So how does this affect somebody like him who's a coach? He, he's not allowed to bet. He's not allowed to bet as a coach. Correct. Now, On- here, here's, the, here's the other aspect of this. Question is, how, do, how are they going to monitor it? I think that's a legitimate part of this aspect. But like when you – that also the question is, I'll take you to the NFL world. Remember Calvin Ridley? Yeah. He bet $1,500 on the Falcons to win, and he got busted. So I'm guessing there must be some type of regulation between the the sports books taking the bets and the sports organizations to kind of know whether someone may be placing a wager or not. Yeah, it's – I get where the use is coming from in this one because, as you've already mentioned, as a sports fan, I've grown accustomed to the idea that a professional athlete probably shouldn't bet on their sport while they're playing it. It's something that's very prevalent in mixed martial arts. I feel like, you know, you hear all the time about fighters literally betting on themselves to win, to double their payday. But it makes sense why the restriction would be there because for every great story we hear about a guy maybe doubling his payday by betting on himself, it leaves room for a fighter to throw a fight it leaves room for a fighter to, I mean, because again, a lot of these guys aren't getting paid that much money. So there's financial motivation to possibly throw a fight in order to get more money in your bank account. You know, that's a key, key thing that I think makes a lot of sense as to why the UFC is enforcing this regulation for as many good actors as there are. The one bad actor kind of makes this a big no, no. Okay, I'm going to throw a hypothetical at you. Conor McGregor walks into a Las Vegas casino and puts a million dollars on himself. You think anything happens to him? No, absolutely not. I mean, it's the same reason why Draymond Green played for the Warriors last night. It's the same reason why Jimmy Johnson cut a backup running back because he fell asleep during the team meeting during the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowls. And when he was asked what he would do if he caught Emmett Smith falling asleep during a uh, during a during a pregame meeting, what he would do? Well, he would just wake him up. You know, fighters apply by different things, but I don't know. That would be a tested situation. I do think this thing will be tested because I still feel like fighters will, in fact, lay down some money because they've gone so accustomed to doing such a thing. They may plead ignorance, they may not, but. I I think the one flip side on this is that it kind of fits the narrative that the UFC kind of has total control over their fighters and continues to get more of their freedom away from them. And and that is maybe where some of the pushback comes from is that the UFC obviously is underpaying their fighters. And Hey, here's another rule. 
you got to follow. Hey, here's another thing in your life you need to do in accordance to what we want. Now, the one thing that I think if you go on MMA Instagram on the day of a UFC pay-per-view, so coming up on Saturday, in previous pay-per-view days, you would probably see a ton of MMA fighters pitching various sports books. You know who they are. I don't have to say who they are. You know who they are. So that to me will be very interesting to see if we still see a ton of those. I, I think that it probably will hurt some fires in terms of it. But look, at the end of the day, I, I will tell you that it should not be a surprise. Now, the second tweet that I saw that this was the SMH tweet of the week. And this comes from Don Davis, the head of the PFL. He So I saw this coming back from Pittsburgh on Sunday night. And when I saw this tweet on my timeline, I just shook my head, Daniel. And the tweet was MMA US US TV viewership data. PFL is the clear number two. PFL has over three times more TV viewers than number three MMA company Bellator. And PFL only in year four versus Bellator year 14. Period. All MMA events in 2022 data. Total viewership equals linear plus streaming. Claiming the source is Nielsen. So I quoted this tweet, Daniel, and I simply said this. If you're going to talk about MMA television viewership in the United States, you have to include what Combate Global is doing on Univision. For example, their last show had 407,000 viewers. So this is one of those tweets where you look at the PFL and say, I love a lot of things you're doing. Hey, you're showing the fires the bag. That's, that's the biggest thing we love what you're doing here. But it's like you're putting out misinformation out there. Like you put out this tweet that's just not it. From the terms of the viewership, I'm sure that is accurate. But to not label out what Combate Global is doing, is you're throwing misinformation out there. It's like, it's one of those things I go, did they do that on purpose or was someone not thinking about Combate Global? Well, I think it's probably the latter because it does seem like there's a general sense of ignorance when it comes to a lot of their statements. And it does feel like the PFL has had this kind of like insecurity about their place in the mixed martial arts landscape. And they just consistently push out weird narratives. Mm -hmm. uh, it's accurate to say more people are watching the PFL product than the Bellator product on television. That's a fact. But to say you're the number two promotion on according to TV viewership is not true. And it's kind of, you know, the first time I really thought about this with the PFL is whenever they had this signing of Fabricio Verdum and they compared him as the uh, the Tom Brady of mixed martial arts. And it's the thing is, like, signing Fabricio Verdum at the time was great, but the overreach, the clear falsehood, makes it seem like a distraction from the actual positive. The actual positive of the PFL is they are on a great platform. People are watching their product, and things seem on the up and up. But you go above and beyond with what you're saying, it becomes a distraction when we shake our damn head. Dude, I forgot about that line. That I mean, like you talk about some of the most ridiculous lines we have heard in MMA. Calling for Bruce for Doom, the Tom Brady of MMA. I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah. And it's 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 the first that I remember, but there's a whole lot of them. And it seems like they've kind of cooled off, but I mean you know yeah i mean it's like i 
I said this line to Daniel before the show started when we were talking about what we were going to talk about. And I said, it's like the PFL has a hard on with being known as the number two MMA organization. Now, like, look, if you ask me right now who the number two MMA organization is, I might say it is PFL in, in terms of the United States. I might say it's PFL because I just feel like a lot of people have forgotten about Bellator. And it's one of these things of, I mean, yes, we do a podcast to talk about what's going on in the MMA industry. I, I interview fighters, things along those lines. But like when I think about as a, a sports fan, I don't care who the number two MMA organization in the world is. I just want to go out there and see awesome fights. And that's like sometimes like I feel like in the PFL, instead of putting out this graphic, how about you just put out a, 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 a video vignette of one of the fighters that's going to be there? I don't know. How about you? Se- how about you sell the public on how Larissa Pacheco can pull off a major upset in a couple of weeks? Have they told us how much their pay-per-view costs yet? Of course not. I, yeah, I, I literally, I went on the ESPN app the other day just to see if it was there. It's not. I mean, look, I, I fully expect it's going to be forty nine ninety nine. Yeah. They're just going to spring it on us the day we look to buy it. I mean, yeah, if there's uh, something you want to get out there, that's some information that I would like to see, but yeah, forty nine ninety nine. That's steep. My man, that's steep brother. No, it is. It's it's going to be a, a tough sum. And like, look, I'm over here as a Orlando Magic and Tampa Bay Lightning fan. Am I going to shell out thirty bucks a month for Bally's uh, Sports Plus? Which apparently, reading all the reviews, apparently it's not a great stream. How much is it? Thirty bucks a month because so oh. the so here in Florida, I don't know what it's like for you it, there in the Rio Grande. For our regional sports networks, we have two regional sports networks. We have uh, what at one time was Fox Sports Florida and Fox Sports Sun. I think it's now uh, Bally's Florida and Bally's Sun. So the Magic are on one of the regional networks with I want to say it's the Marlins, and then the lightning are on the same regional sports like at the race. So I was like, I'm a basketball fan. Basketball season started. I mean, like last night I was sitting here watching the NBA games and I, so I go on uh, Valley sports because I have YouTube TV and I don't have access to watch the magic on, on there. And so I was like, Oh, and then it says, Oh, you can buy two for, for a bundle price. I'm like, man, do I pay 30 bucks a month? Like it has a seven day free trial. Like I'm almost tempted. It's like, maybe I'll try it out for a week and see if the stream is, if the stream is bad, it's like a no go. But cause like I went on the NBA league pass website. I'm like, can we just get rid of black house, please? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, you know, if only there was some type of service we could use to change our location. Uh, maybe we'll get into that later in the podcast, but yes, I, uh, I agree with you. I would love to pay a simple subscription to Major League Baseball or the NBA to watch my favorite teams. I can't do that. In fact, where I live, I don't have the Houston Rockets, my favorite basketball team, on the regional network. I can't buy NBA and watch them because it gets blacked out. It is, um, you know, you know, election season is coming up, and it's uh, if a politician wants my vote, that's probably the avenue they would have to go to. To get me aboard. Let Dude, me watch the Rockets. My mailbox every goddamn day is just filled with political ads. Yeah, that's about the only thing you get. Bills I, and I political jo- ads. I was joking with my lawyer about it. And I was like, do you know who this Jay Collins guy is? He goes, 
He goes, no, I have no idea who he is. But he goes, all I know is I get about every negative ad about him. I go, I know. Like, I almost want to vote for the guy just because of that. Yeah, I'm going to vote for the person who bothers me the least. That's where we're at when it comes to the... the, could, the, you, the <laughs> could you imagine if you just saved all that? It gets to election day. You're like, all right, it's time to start counting. Yeah, time to tally it up. <laughs> you know, and also I'm going to print out all the text messages I've received and the phone dude, calls. Dude, dude. I... uh. I might become an a-hole on those text messages. I might. Yeah. Usually I'll, I'll respond with, Karen, tell me how you uh, received my phone number. There's no response. Never a response. Never a response. So now I'm just yeah. like, I just hit the, like, it'll say to opt out, text back, stop, stop. I, I, I don't want, like, I don't want these on my phone. Like, mm-hmm. I sit there and, like, I look at these people like, God damn, like, why do you think this is a good idea to bother someone who's tech savvy? Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a miscalculation play. I, okay, I just to bring this back to a you, I remember back in the day, UFC would send out DMs to people about why you should order UFC pay per views. That I never remembered. I didn't know they would do that. That's crazy. Yeah, I got them. Yeah, I'm uh, like, if you got to DM me about buying a pay per view, you, you're clearly like, it's like, come on, like, did you not look at my profile? Realize, yeah, this guy probably buys every pay per view there is. Yeah, I don't think we gotta start DMing people to listen to the podcast. Like I we'll start texting random people. Yeah, I was listening to the Cobain Event podcast, and I thought they kind of said something interesting. They had a listener question about the pay per view price point, and basically saying, "Would the UFC ever lower the cost?" Which I think we both know, never gonna Hell happen. Hell no! But hell I, no! I do wonder, like, if it was forty dollars, would there be people who, let's just say. They tend to go the illegal streaming route. Would they pay the $40 just so they had a crystal clean feed? I really don't think so. I really don't think so. I think it's a big, I think the threshold for making that decision is, is, is like lower. Like we're talking like a $5 stream. Cause I just feel like the people that are going to do the illegal streams, they're just going to do it regardless. Yeah. And it's a part of habit. Like I really feel like, like um, that's why the price point continues to jump up is they just got us hooked line and sinker. Like I do wonder if we are getting closer to ESPN offering a yearly package for UFC pay-per-views. I don't think so because those big pay-per-views with Conor McGregor just makes so much money. And to give that away on a yearly pass, I mean, it would have to be an a very expensive yearly pass. Well, yeah, but I, I don't mean, think we're going to get there. Good luck. It's like, I know, because I, I, I get the notification on my phone every time I order a pay-per-view. It's like $85 now after taxes. So you typically have 13 pay-per-views a year. So 85 times that by 13. So that's $1,105. What if you sat there and said, you know what? $1,000. You get all UFC pay-per-views for the year. Uh, personally, I would probably buy it for sure. I just don't think that many people would buy it. I think the only people that would buy it are the people that for sure are going to buy all the shows. Oh, I would, uh, I would, yeah, I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, because we're, it's a no brainer. We're going to, we're just going to save a hundred dollars there, a couple hundred dollars there because we will purchase a for pay-per-view. But for ESPN, the only people that are going to make that deal are those that were going to already buy every pay-per-view. I don't think someone who's like a casual fan is going to buy that yearly pass. That's just a, it's a massive cost. 
I'll tell to you justify because you know it's football season and and I'm traveling you know essentially every other week for the most part like you know I was on the road last week I'm on the road this week one of the things I've noticed during the football season of you know whether you know I was in Nashville or whether I was in uh, God where was I at last week Pittsburgh any bar I walked into I never I've never seen the UFC on. And I, I wonder how much that, that does hurt them. I mean, usually if it's, I'm just putting it on my phone, I'm going to watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, usually the time you're traveling is the time where it's a rough Saturday for the U.S. to get on the TV, right? It's college football Saturday. Dude, the first you bar know? we walked into on Saturday in Pittsburgh, cool bar, had had some darts. So, I mean, I saw a dart machine. I'm like, all right, let's go, boys. Let's, let's, let's throw a couple of rounds here. And uh, but apparently the way their television are set up, they can only show one thing on every TV. Really? Yeah. So it was. Uh, the, uh, so we got in there. It was a Tennessee Alabama game, which obviously was was a great ending. Yeah, yeah, it's a hell of a game to watch. But yeah, I mean, can you imagine like sitting somewhere and you can't watch the big game because of that role, and you have to watch uh, Division Two Spanish League soccer? That's really that's a really strange setup that they can't. I, being in being in the sports bar industry, yeah, I was I was baffled yeah. when, they, when they said that. I was like, I mean, in my own house, in my own house, we can watch the same channel. <laughs> That's I, I, really strange. I, I was kind of like, like you only have one satellite receiver in this place. Like that's kind of weird, but all right. I guess uh, they say they decided to go a little bit cheap out. But I will tell you, we went to this place. I want to I want to say it was called the Eagle uh, in Pittsburgh, where, where we're near where we were staying, in Manhattan. Great, great, uh, had a great uh, chicken sandwich and very cheap, man. Very cheap. I was like, it was like the, my tab was only like 50 bucks. After wow. tip. The Eagle. Named yeah. after Habib Nurmagomedov, I'm assuming. Uh, I'm going to probably say no. Oh, yeah. But it was a good spot. Good spot. Mostly it was like pretty much the whole menu was chicken. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to screw up chicken. Yeah, you can't go wrong with chicken. We love chicken here on the no. podcast. By the way, another thing I saw on MMA Twitter this week is I saw a regional matchup that get got made. And I'm just going to say this. If you're a 10 and one fighter and your goal is to get to the UFC going overseas to fight someone who has a career record of 18 and 29 and is one in 15 in his last 16 MMA matchups. Yeah. That's not going to really get you to get the UFC to want to sign you. Like I see this happen on the regional side. Like, look, I am totally understanding of having showcase fights but man there comes a time you gotta you gotta fight some dudes with the legit records so lay it out who are we talking about here he's a he's a he's a a southeast fighter i i first off i don't like look i don't understand why you're going overseas to have a showcase fight you know i I think you could easily do that here in the united states but i mean look this dude this dude is good record and he's going overseas to fight a tomato can. Correct. And he's yeah. going overseas to fight someone, to essentially fight an explode fight series guy. It's like the extreme version of I'm not fighting anyone until you pay me. And it's like you're going to – I don't think the UFC is going to bend over backwards no. to sign you unless you are literally Jake Paul, unless you are literally a celebrity that guarantees – look, if you guarantee eyeballs – the UFC will pay you money to fight for them, but they're not going to look at your record and be like, "Oh, you're 14 and 0," and not examine it. 
Usually, it, there was a, that one. There was that one dude. Who was that one dude that was like, "Damn, how did he get on the contender series?" Or, oh you know god, there, I, he got knocked out like in forty seconds. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look, it's it's one of these things. It's a boxing mindset. That's that's what it is. It's it's very much a boxing mindset of you know building up your record, which. I think in MMA, there's not a problem with it, but there comes a point. There comes a point where you got to start fighting legitimate content. And I think the UFC has shown over the years, for the most part, that's just something they, they're not going to do. I mean, yes, you could look like the CM Punk signings. And um, I think Jordan Wright may be the most recognizable one of the past, where he fought that explode fight series scene and, and didn't fight anybody. I mean, it's just the UFC has made it very clear. You want to get in the UFC, go fight in LFA. Go, go fight in these regional promotions where you're going to get tough fights. I just saw that come across my timeline. I'm just like, man, like if truly your goal is to get into the UFC, these are not the fights you should be taking. So whether I'm sure you probably won't listen to me, what I said, but I'm just, I just wanted to throw that one out there. I saw that come across my Twitter timeline. Of course, uh, this is the MMA Report podcast. We're going to start previewing UFC 280 here in a moment. But do want to let you know about our sponsor this week, and that is NordVPN, as they have got a great offer for the MMA Report podcast listener. NordVPN, it's easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto connect for zero click protection. And what I love about them is this, this automatic kill switch. If the VPN connection accidentally drops, it blocks the device from accessing the web unprotected double VPN for extra protection. Users can route their traffic through two VPN servers, doubling the encryption. And sometimes Daniel, I'm, you know, going across YouTube, I'm watching videos and how about Benil Dariush using NordVPN so he could do an interview from Abu Dhabi. Of course, you can access NordVPN from everywhere. Don't miss your favorite content from home when traveling abroad. And well, Benil Dariush had to do it to do an interview. Yeah, man. Like we had the opportunity to use NordVPN. And uh, I got to say, big recommendation. I absolutely love it. And I think the two things I would point at is really simple. NordVPN provides me privacy, Jason, and it provides me freedom, right? It provides me privacy, man. I can't tell you how many times I do a Google search and all of a sudden I see ads that are pertaining to exactly what I'm doing. And it's one of those things that really bugs me because it's like, how are you getting all my information and how many people know it? Well, at NordVPN, I feel like my information is safe and secure. I can browse without leaving a trace. And that is something I really, really value. But in addition to that privacy, it's the freedom, right? It's the ability where you are able to choose over 5,600 different servers, 59 countries. It allows you to explore the internet the way it was meant to be explored free. So I absolutely love the privacy and the freedom that NordVPN offers. And in addition to that, when I'm using this, the NordVPN, it's incredibly fast, ultra fast. And one little thing they have there, aside from the ad blocker, which I'm a big fan of, they have this thing called NordPass and um, it's a password manager. And as someone who has about 15 different subscriptions to 15 different streaming services, uh, all these different accounts, the NordPass password manager has been a game changer in terms of managing where my passwords are and feeling good about the security of them. 
and grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash report to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Once again, that is nordvpn.com slash report to take advantage of this offer. And of course, that link will be in the show notes where you'll be able to click that link and take advantage of it. And of course, uh, we you click that URL that lets NordVPN know you came from them from the MMA Report podcast and appreciate everyone uh, supporting what me and Daniel do here at the MMA Report. Now, Daniel, coming up uh, on Saturday, Saturday afternoon, or man, you get an early start, 10 a.m. East Coast time, 9 a.m. there in the Rio Grande with the prelims. Of course, those will be on ESPN News and ESPN Plus, and then your main card, 2 p.m. Eastern time over on pay-per-view, ESPN Plus pay-per-view. And I was thinking about this. Obviously, we're all excited about the main event. But kind of looking at this card top to bottom. And I was thinking about this question. And I don't know truly what my answer is on this one. Is what matchup is more fascinating to watch from what we expect the fight to be? O'Malley versus Jan or Muhammad versus Brady? I don't know which way I go with this one. Like, I think there's definitely a lot of fascinations to what can Sean O'Malley do against probably the number two guy in this division. But Muhammad Brady is such a great damn fight. So talk me through what you are thinking when it comes to what your expectation is for Muhammad and Brady. Here's my only fear about that fight. It could be not exactly a fun fight because I think obviously we know what Sean Bray can do from the grappling aspect. And I wonder, could Bilal Muhammad slow that down and it kind of becomes a very strategic three-round fight? I think that's that fight's going 15 minutes. Um, that's why I might lean to the Yon O'Malley being a little more fascinating, but like Sean, Sean Brady, to me, you talk about what is his ceiling? To me, his ceiling is UFC welterweight champion. Yeah, but he's fighting a tough guy in Bilal Muhammad. I mean, that's a – dude, there's so many interesting fights. That's one of them. I mean, to me, honestly, the most interesting fight on this fight card might be Dillashaw and Sterling, to be frank with you, because it that's a fight where it really comes down to whether or not TJ can defend those takedowns. And that's an interesting question because, obviously, Dillashaw came in with that great wrestling pedigree. He has phenomenal takedown defense. But clearly, that fight hits the ground. You got to favor Sterling. I mean, he's just, um, he's a, a boa constrictor and he's so good on the ground. But if Dillashaw is able to keep this fight standing, I think we have a new Bantamweight champion. And to be, you know, the idea of stopping the takedown to me is like a really relevant discussion point for so many different fights. You could even look at the Yan O'Malley fight. Yan might look to take the fight down to the ground if he doesn't like what's happening on the feet. Obviously, that's the main story in the main event between Mahachev and Oliveira. Uh, also, Brady Muhammad. And even maybe if I like Chikagian and, and Manon Furio. But yeah, it's just the pick of the litter of how many great fights there are. And I, I got to say, if we're sticking with the Muhammad-Brady fight and if we're giving a pick here, I like Muhammad to, uh, to beat Brady. I just think Muhammad is a very tough fighter to take down. I think he's had plenty of experience training with team Habib when it comes to defending takedown attempts. That's a, that's one hell of a group of grapplers to be trained with. And on the feet, as good as Sean Brady is, 
I would give Bilal Muhammad the advantage on the feet in the stand-up between these two. That's why I'm liking Muhammad here. I'm so amazed that Muhammad, we talked about this last week. I'm amazed Muhammad Ray's not on the pay-per-view. I mean, that's just, that's a great 170-pound matchup. Now, I did find some agree disagrees. Two of them are related to the main event. So, Michael Bisbing on his YouTube channel said this, Greatest lightweight of all time. I think if Charles beats Islam this weekend, I think that belongs to Charles now. I really do. I think he will have surpassed Habib simply because he's taken out all the top contenders. And it's not Habib's fault, but you cannot deny the numbers, the momentum, the history that Oliveira is making. This is another, this is a tough one for me of whether I agree or disagree with Michael Bisbee because I think Michael has a, a very valid point about Charles Oliveira is beating all of the top of this division. But on the other side, Habib was just so dominant when he was the UFC lightweight champion. Yeah, the way I would describe this is like you have two pitching performances. One, Oliveira gets the win, but he gives up a run. And he gives up some walks and some hits, but he strikes out like 24 people. All right. Habib throws a perfect game, but he strikes out three. Like that's the difference, right? It's just Oliveira has more highlights for sure. He has more big names, but the way he went about doing it wasn't pitching a perfect game versus Nermaga Madoff pitched a perfect game in his MMA career. Doesn't have a single blemish. And in his championship fights, he was incredibly dominant with Oliveira. In so many of his big wins, he was very close to getting put away. It's a tough discussion. And then the other name I would bring up when we're talking about best lightweight of all time, let's pay some respect to BJ Penn. He deserves to be in that conversation. I understand he had – he. I understand Armagamand else above him. But I'll just never forget the way I felt when BJ Penn had that championship and how big of a gap it looked whenever he was destroying Kenny Florian, whenever he was destroying Diego Sanchez. That's a championship reign that to me is above Oliveira's. I will disagree with Bisping. Even with the win over Mahachev, I will still consider Nurmagomedov the best lightweight of all time. But it's hard to argue with the um, resume of Oliveira. So I just put in Google. Best UFC lightweights of all time. The first thing that comes up is Fight uh, Matrix has theirs, and it's based on points. Habib, number one. BJ Penn, number two. I think number three will surprise you. Hold on. Let me think about it. Um, Benson Henderson? Benson Henderson is number four. Oh, God. Uh, one more guess. Um, but now, there was a name I was going to bring up as you were talking before I saw this list of kind of someone that I think doesn't get talked much about being one of the best lightweights of all time. He's number uh, five on this list. Frankie Edgar. Oh crap. That's who I was going to get. Who's three. Gary Maynard. <laughs> Eddie Alvarez. Oh, that's that's no, I disagree with that. Eddie Alvarez is awesome, but Eddie Alvarez is behind. Oh yeah. Ah, for you. I, forget, I forgot. I forget though, before the UFC, he was, ah, that's a good one. Yeah. Hey, okay. I, okay. I would put, Benson in front of Eddie. I'd put Frankie in front of Eddie. Now, here's where then it becomes interesting. Then you have number six is Dustin Poirier. Ooh, that's a good. I'm going to go with Eddie over Poirier, thinking back to the history. Seven is Charles Oliveira. Oh, at this point, honestly, Oliveira, I think, should be higher on this list. I think he's like, I think Oliveira is number three. Like, 
he's he's you know yeah the way he's put away these big names is he's he deserving number three how far back is is takanori gomi on there anywhere he is number nine yeah don't forget about him so so i'll I'll kind of go through the top 15 here uh number eight rda nine gomi 10 ferguson 11 pettis 12 ioki 13 gaichi 14 melendez 15 pulver well, it's to me, Jens Pulver's resume doesn't hold up. Like, literally, I would put some. I mean, I would put. Uh, did you say? Did you did you say Chandler? Uh, Chandler, I did not. But Chandler is at number seventeen. Yeah, yeah, it's a good list. But yeah, Takanori Gomi, that's a hell of a name. I mean, he was uh, he was lights out. All right, and, uh, I, all right. So the next link is Tapology. They have it. So there, this is for the all-time grace UFC lightweights. Habib, Oliveira, Poye, Penn, Edgar, RDA, Benson, Alvarez, Pettis, Ferguson. Okay. I'm like surp- I'm surprised to see Dustin Poye ahead of BJ, Frankie, and Benson. I guess he has um He was never a U- he was never an undisputed lightweight champion. He just he was an interim champion, right? Yeah, yeah, but I think I think the win over Max Holloway, the win over Eddie, the win over Gaethje. I mean, like Poirier's victories, like literally his his resume is very similar to Oliveira's when it comes to quality of wins, bro. Like McGregor, Holloway, Alvarez, Gaethje, Pettis. I mean, that's a hard bit of business to argue, even if he was only interim champion. I got another agree disagree on the main event. This is a quote I saw on MMA Red from Charles Oliveira. I'm gonna knock out Islam Mahachev in the first round. Disagree with that one, also. I, 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 yeah, I mean, look, when we're looking at this fight, Mahachev Oliveira, I don't think Oliveira is going to be able to put away Islam on the on the feet. Um, I think he could possibly lock on a submission. I think Mahachev is going to be able to take down Oliveira pretty easily. The question is, what happens when the fight gets down there? Oliveira is the most dangerous guy on the ground. Him and Benil Darius are the D2 best jiu-jitsu guys at 155, I believe. Agree. So I do not believe Islam's going to get tagged by Oliveira and beaten. When I'm thinking about my prediction, Jason, all week long I've been thinking of picking Oliveira. It's because I've seen him do it time and again. But I'm going to Mahachev. It's just a much easier like vision of how he can win. He also appears more hungry. And Oliveira, even though Charles is only, uh, what is he, 33 years old, man, he's had a long career. And at some point, there's that tipping point. And I feel like Mahachev's wrestling. I just think this is a bad matchup for Oliveira. So uh, I'm picking Mahachev to win. I don't think he gets knocked out. I disagree with Charles. Yeah, I saw this quote from Alexander Volkanovsky, which Dana White did reveal that he is the backup plan and he is next up for a, a lightweight title matchup where Charles Oliveira said, hey, we can fight for the 155-pound uh, title in January, then we can fight for the 45-pound title in February. Charles, I don't think that's going to happen. But yeah, he's, I agree with what Volkanovsky said here of why he leans Islam Machev in this fight. His quote was, he doesn't make too many mistakes. And that's why, like, I do think I, maybe I'm wrong here. I feel like people are discrediting, discrediting Charles Oliveira and his ability to win this fight on Saturday. I think uh, they're, 
you can tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like a lot of people view this as the coronation of Islam Mahachev. Yeah, I think I don't think you're wrong at all. I don't think you're wrong at all. It's pretty simple. Charles is the best striker and he's the best grappler Mahachev's fought. The best guy Mahachev's ever fought is Dan Hooker. That's a big gap between Dan Hooker and Charles Oliveira. That, that's 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 a real concern. That to me is is like when you talk about the big questions heading into this matchup, we all know Islam Mahachev is a super talented fighter. He just ha- hasn't had the ability to prove it against the top of this division. Like that to me is a question mark. And you know what happens? Does he take this fight to the ground? And maybe he just ragdolls him on the mat. Maybe he just truly ragdolls him on the mat. But man, like you, you got to be fearful when that matchup goes down there. My official pick is Islam Mahachev in this matchup. But you tell me Charles Oliveira goes out there. And let's also remember, Charles Oliveira is not the lightweight champion. Okay. Ta- uh, th- technically, he's not the lightweight champion. But we all know he's a lightweight champion. Yeah, maybe we should also preview Volkanovski versus Mahachev. Uh, because that fight might happen Saturday also. Here, I've changed my pick. It's been 15 seconds. After going on this podcast and telling you that Mahachev's going to win, I thought about this. If this fight's on the ground for 25 minutes, Oliveira's going to tap out Islam. I'm picking Oliveira via submission. It's going to happen. I'm going Oliveira by submission. I've seen it this guy's entire career. He gets put in crap situations, and he pulls something out of his ass. Charles Oliveira will become a two-time UFC lightweight champion, and he's going to get a submission over Mahachev. I have now changed my pick. <laughs> Look, I... I, I it would not surprise me if Islam just goes out there and dominates Charles Oliveira, and it would not surprise me if Oliveira gets taken to the ground and he catches him with something. I mean, the one thing about Charles is he always seems to get caught early in the fight, and somehow he survives. It'll be interesting to see what if Islam drops him. Does Islam fall, follow him to the mat, or does he say, "Nah, man, I ain't playing that game. Get your ass back up." Yeah, yeah, I do think it's going to be one of the rare instances where that doesn't happen, but we shall see. I, I don't think Islam's gonna gonna drop him, but uh, man. Dude, like, I this this is a freaking amazing card, bro. Like, literally, just randomly have Darius Gamma on this card too. Like, what yeah, the that, hell? It's a big, it's a big lightweight matchup. Sterling Dillashaw. I Woo! don't. This is one of those fights, and I think you nailed it a little bit earlier when you said it comes down to can TJ Dillashaw stop the takedown defense? If you tell me this fight plays out on the feet, I think it's TJ Dillashaw's fight to lose. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I agree with I agree with that. I, I think he's the better striker. I'm th- I'm this whole week I've been leaning towards Dillashaw. The thing is, Aljo's really, really he's a gamer. He knows how to win fights. He he he's a uh, he's obnoxious when it comes to his aggression grappling from a grappling standpoint in terms of getting his objective done. He's one hell of a wrestler, one hell of a grappler, incredibly strong. I, I almost, and his standup is really good too. Like, it's not like Dillashaw is going to completely outclass Sterling. I think Sterling's probably going to do some interesting things with his leg kicks to startle Dillashaw. But yeah, I'm going to go Dillashaw by decision. I think, uh, I think Dillashaw's able to outpoint Aljo, but it, it's another one. I mean, this is just one hell of a fight card. I, I love it, man. Now, Sterling does have a four inch reach advantage in this one, but I feel like some of the stats for this fight might surprise you a little bit. 
Significant strikes land per minute. One fighter's 5.26. The other is 4.56. That I'm assuming I, not, Aljo's 5.2? No, Aljo is, is 5.26. One fighter lands nearly 59% of their significant strikes. The other lands 48. Is Aljo 59? Yep. Wow. Takedowns per 15 minutes, pretty similar. 1.71 for Aljo, 1.63 for TJ Dillashaw. But Dillashaw lands at a higher takedown accuracy percentage, 30% to 22%. Damn. And would you and TJ Dillashaw has a higher submission average per 15 minutes of fighting. I wouldn't, yeah. That's another one. Because when I think of Aljo, I just think of him throwing up submission attempt after submission attempt at this on Instagram, right? Like like if I think of I think of this fight gets a finish. I mean, I think it's Aljo via submission. Uh it's uh but yeah i think um i'm thinking i'm leaning toward dillashaw out out striking him with the volume and keeping it standing and of course we have to remember i mean tj's coming off an entry the one thing I, i've that's kind of been interesting to me about the aljo camp in this one like boy like if you had to take a shot every time they brought up tj dillashaw's failed drug test you'd be blackout drunk at 10 a.m in the morning <sighs> Yeah, you could play a drinking game that gets you really hammered when it comes to this uh, this fight card. It could be that. It could be. Have you ever heard a, a preview show talking about Islam without mentioning the words of Nurmagomedov? There's there's not, a lot not, of things. Not possible. Not possible. Not possible. Yeah. Like I'm like I wonder how many of our listeners are going to roll into a bar at like 10 a.m. on Saturday morning, and you know they're like, give me give me a Bloody Mary, give me a mimosa, let's get this thing going. Yeah, man. Buffalo always they open that early. Oh, I, I bet they would be. Yeah, I, guess I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a Saturday, so you gotta imagine at at the worst case scenario they're open up at eleven a.m. Yeah, I gotta get some chicken wings with my uh, chocolate milk this on uh, Saturday morning. <laughs> I couldn't tell you the last time I had chocolate milk. It's it's good, man. It's chocolatey, delicious. You know, I'm I'm not a huge milk drinker. I probably should, but you know, well, you know. It's actually, I feel like I heard you're not supposed to drink milk. I heard like once you're a baby, that's all you need. But I love me some milk, you know. Uh, I've never heard that one, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel yeah, well maybe I'm on the wrong side of the internet. But thanks to NordVPN, I can access all types of the internet from all across the world. So, dude, it, it's like it's you mentioned earlier, man. It is crazy when you search for something. How, by the way, by the way, speaking of internet and all this. So I went over to Ticketmaster to see the prices for uh, UFC Orlando. Good Lord, that secondary market is insane, bro. Yeah. Upper level ticket. Cheapest ticket right now, 170 bucks. Holy crap. So you're going with a friend. You're talking about a $400 investment. Okay, so there was in our group chat, it was, hey, man, what are we doing about UFC Orlando? I was like, oh, let me go look at the ticket prices. And I was like, oh, oof, oof. Might be home for that one if it's <laughs> dude. It was crazy. Like, and I, maybe how much of that also is the UFC not doing a ton of events in front of fans. That I, I also think of how many people just bought up tickets and their whole mentality was trying to sell them. I want to say I want to say the face value is like one hundred twenty five bucks, which I don't mind. I, like that doesn't phase me. Mm-hmm. You know what? The yeah. only thing that phases me is those Ticketmaster fees. Yeah. That's where they get you, man. 
Yeah, they got a stranglehold, and so they can just charge people for no good reason. Yeah, that's why I like I always sit there and I click that tab, uh, show with uh, fees. Yeah, so I really know what I'm paying per ticket before I hit submit. No, yeah, the only person that can afford those fees is if you're making Sean O'Malley money. Yeah, by the way, so we'll move into Jan and O'Malley. Uh, Peter, this is uh, agree, disagree on Jan, where he said this, Sean O'Malley is a UFC product and a Conor McGregor wannabe. All right. Well, if you're in the UFC, everyone's a UFC product. Yeah. <laughs> like they're, the UFC's trying to build everyone up. And, like, of course everyone wants to be Conor McGregor because they see what that, that check looks like. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to agree. Yeah, everyone should want to be him because he makes a lot of money. Yeah. He's the biggest star in this history of sport. But, yeah, I got to agree. Like, Sean literally talked about being the next Conor McGregor in the UFC embedded yesterday. Like, that's his vision is to be that main event star, to be the A1, to be the next Connor. Can he get there? Well, he's got to win here. And he honestly doesn't have to win here. He can get there later. But uh, it's it's a it's a big spot for him, O'Malley. I saw a quote where Dana said, the winner of this matchup gets a title fight, which I'm thinking, if I'm Cheeto Vera, I'm going, hey, boys, uh, you forget about me? You forget about what I've done? Yeah. Yeah, but it's hard. It's hard to deny either guy that opportunity, bro. Like if Omali oh, okay. wins, no brainer. You you can't you can't deny if Young wins this one, him getting into a title fight. O'Malley, on the other hand, like it wasn't that long ago you lost Cheeto Vera, and Cheeto yes. Vera is just coming off a great performance against Dominic Cruz. Like I don't think a O'Malley win, but I also look at it and I can see where the UFC looks at Sean O'Malley and says, "Look at the star power." I mean. The one thing is I look at this matchup, while Sean O'Malley does have the reach advantage, like you have to imagine that Peter Yan, you would think that part of the mindset in this matchup is let's attack the, the lower legs uh, of Sean O'Malley because we've seen O'Malley struggle with fighters who come out and kick uh, a low, particularly around his ankle area. And B, you got to imagine takedowns are going to come from Peter Yan at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I just... I think that's those are the two main talking points when it comes to why I think Jan's going to win. In the stand-up, I worry about the leg defense for O'Malley. I just feel like as the fight goes on, Jan will probably be, be able to do significant damage. And if things don't go well, as you mentioned, I think Jan's a hell of a wrestler. He'll be able to bring it down. On the feet, Jan might just beat O'Malley straight up. O'Malley, obviously, phenomenal power, and his frame is a lot bigger. He's going to be able to play with Jan at times with maybe his approach of hitting him and then not being in position to get hit back. That's why this fight is very compelling because even though Jan to me is very much clearly the superior fighter, Sean does have specific tools that give him a clear avenue to win. It's using his reach and his power to knock out Peter Jan. Don't think that's going to happen. I'm picking Peter Yan, but that's why O'Malley as the 14th ranked fighter going up against number one is a live dog here. Yeah. I mean, look, no, no question that Peter Yan should win this matchup, but you, you, I mean, look, we all know how crisp of a striker Sean O'Malley is. Yan to me is clear pick, but, um, 
I would say I think the UFC probably would hope Sean O'Malley wins because I think they look at him as a potential guy who can make the uh, company a ton of money. You know, you mentioned about that Benil Dariush and Matisse Gamrot matchup, huge matchup from Matisse Gamrot. For Benil Dariush, like, this is a guy that it just seems like he has been on that doorstep of a title matchup. And, of course, he's probably sitting there going, man, I can go out here and just dominate Gamrot, and you've already made the decision that Volkanovski's getting the title matchup. Like, you kind of feel bad for Benil Dariush because – I mean, what, he was supposed to have that matchup back in March uh, against Islam Machev. This could potentially have been his title fight here on this card, so you feel bad for him. But, uh, I mean, Benil Darius has been doing this thing for a long time. Yeah, I, I think he beats Gamrot here. I'm kind of surprised that Darius is an underdog here. Um, I think Darius is the better grappler of the two. I think Gamrot's probably the better wrestler, but it's kind of a wash. And then on the feet, I'll give it the edge to Gamrot. But uh, I think, by and large, it'll probably make its way to the ground, and Dariush will be able to win the fight there. Man, yeah, you feel bad. At that point, it'll be eight victories in a row, but there's just no chance in hell. I mean, they've already promised the fight to Volkanovski. Um, but Dariush just isn't very sexy. You know, I don't know if it's the gray in his hair or whatnot or his name or whatever, but he's just he, he ain't the sexiest uh, flavor of ice cream in, in the, uh, the assortment. This is a high-quality fight. It's probably not the type of platform he can use to get to a championship fight. But he also has to feel good about the fact that the UFC looked at this fight and thought it belonged on the main card. That's a, a great way to kind of describe you know, Darnish with, the, you know, not the, the sexiness of the fighter. But if people have never seen Benil Darnish fight, go back and watch this fight against your car close. Where he's literally, it looks like he's about to get finished, and then he comes back and wins that fight. Yeah, yeah. He, he's one of those guys who just kind of similar to Oliver in that way. I mean, he's a guy who gets counted out often and surprises people. Yeah. Uh, I would pick uh, Benil Darius in that matchup. The kickoff of the pay-per-view will be a female matchup at 125 pounds. K.O.J. Kagan taking on Mano Fiorot. Uh, Fiorot is a, a great prospect in this division. Jukagian, he just, she's a gatekeeper. I mean, let's just call it what it is. But, dude, she's like a high-class gatekeeper yes. in that she's literally – She's like the fighter who is like would be champion if uh, if uh, you know a certain uh, Shevchenko uh, didn't exist, right? Like she 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 uh, she's really damn good, and this is a really good fight because if someone's going to challenge for the title, I think Menon's the pick. I really like Menon's striking, bro. But um, man, Chikagian to me is the safer pick. She's she's succeeded in this role going up against like a Rajo and whatnot. And she does really well. So I, I think uh, Chikagian wins again. And at some point she's going to get another championship fight just because she's eliminating all the potential challengers by beating them. And she is a sizable underdog in that one. Plus one seventy five minus two ten from no fear Uh I'm going to go Manil fear I think she gets it done. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. There's a reason why she's the favorite man. It's a, it's a it's a platform for her to 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 look good here against UK again. Uh, by the way, we got seven fights on the prelims. Uh, we mentioned about that Sean Brady and Bilal Muhammad matchup. I, I'm going to go Sean Brady in that one. I think he wins by decision. Yeah, I'm going Muhammad uh, again. I think he keeps it standing. I really like the fact that he's training with Team Habib. They're doing something special there. I mean, some of their other guys are in tough fights. Like um, what the hell's his name? Uh, Zub- uh, Zubera and Lucas Almeida. That's a tough fight against Lucas Almeida. Almeida's really good, bro. Yeah, I, I would tell you the fight, I think potential banger alert fight 
Ozdemir and Nikita Krylov. Krylov, you know, he's oh, yeah. he's a guy just he ain't going to see a third round for the most part. And to me, the guy on the prelims that intrigues me the most, Muhammad Mukhayev. Oh, yeah. He, oh, now yeah. He's a massive betting favorite this one, 10 1 betting favorite against Malcolm Gordon. But uh, in terms of prospects, he is the guy to look out for on this prelims. 100%. I mean, 100%. He's the guy who snuck up on me. I didn't realize he was fighting this weekend until it was this today when I was looking at the card. And I was like, oh, crap, he's on here. He's must watch. Great personality, incredibly young, phenomenal talent. You know, he's going to get put together some wins to get a better matchup. But I agree with you. I think when you look at these prelims, you look at the Habib guys, you know, Abukar, Nurmagomedov, you look at Zubera Tuhukov against Luis Almeida. Muhammad Makayev is the most interesting guy in the prelims that isn't in the welterweight matchup between Muhammad and Brady. Uh, I think Krylov Ozdemir is a great fight, as you mentioned. I like Ozdemir, the slight dog here. And then uh, I, I tell you what, uh, you know, Barrio and, and Muradov, pretty good too. But, man, I, I like a lot of these slight dogs here, right? Like, I'm looking at some of these slight underdogs I'm picking already. I'm picking Oliveira. I'm picking Dariush. I'm picking Chikagian. I'm picking Muhammad. I, I like Ozdemir to beat Krylov. And I'm picking Dillashaw. So that's six slight underdogs that I think are going to win on Saturday. Look, I mean, the, the one thing about this car that it just topped the bottom it's a great fight card the UFC has put together. I mean, there could be times where we look at some of these fight night cards and we're just like, man, that, that just don't excite me. But when it comes to these pay-per-views, the UFC delivers. I mean, they put together, I mean, now look, of course the fight card could go out and suck. I mean, but on paper, it's a it's top to bottom. I think it's a great fight card. Uh, I'm going to, I'll be watching the prelims live for the most part. Uh, but I think uh, I'll be in the air uh, as I'll be going to Charlotte this weekend. So uh, try to, I'll probably have to catch up on some of the fights uh, after the fact, but uh, looking forward to it. I'll tell you, uh, I watched facing Nolan on the plane last uh, weekend. Really great documentary on Nolan Ryan. If you're a, a baseball fan, you got to check that. I was, I I never, Honestly, I'd never heard of it before. And then, and someone told, I was like, kind of, you know, you get on the airplane, you're kind of flicking through, see what you want to watch. I saw that. I was like, that was a really good sports documentary. Hey, I'm a Texas Rangers fan. They don't have any games lined up this postseason. <laughs> I'll be watching Facing Nolan tonight. Well, if they, you know, I may be watching some NBA basketball, but uh, yeah, I'll be watching Facing Nolan. I remember when it came out, it wasn't released immediately to the wide public. I remember when it came out because they were making a big deal about it on the Texas Rangers ball game. They celebrated Nolan Ryan. I think they had him on the pregame show. So I'm glad you watched it. I'm surprised you watched it before me. I wasn't aware that it was on Netflix, and uh, I'm glad I pay my Netflix subscription so I can give that a watch tonight. Yeah, it was one of those things that I saw, and I was like, oh, wow, I had never heard of this one. Um, By the way, also, I don't know if this is just me just not paying attention to anything, but I got this press release earlier this afternoon. Did you realize one on Prime 3 is on Friday? No, I didn't, bro. I didn't realize anything was happening this weekend. You and know, John Lineker's in the main event, bro. Damn, I guess I'm going to have to give it a watch. I mean, We may talk about it because he might have a highlight reel win. Yeah, he's uh, defending his title against Fabricio Andrade. Okay. I'm looking forward to this. I'll get- so this is a Ooh. Friday night at uh, 8 o'clock uh, Eastern time on Prime. I'm looking forward to this. Submission grappling match. Cade Rotulo is fighting, and the Rotulo brothers, uh, these guys are just uh, big stars in grappling, and I'm looking forward to seeing him grapple. That's the one thing I love about one championship cards is you get all aspects of martial arts. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I look forward to the presentation too on Amazon. It's really easily accessible. You know, as a sports fan, I'm getting more accustomed mm-hmm. with watching sports on Amazon Prime with the uh, sorry state of affairs that they have been gifted when it comes to the quality of games on Thursday nights. I still been watching. I feel bad for Al. You can tell he may have put some some coke in his uh, some Jack in his Coke. You know, he's watching the Bears offense drive down the field. And, I will tell you, I have seen some bad weeknight football. Like the other week, I watched Nebraska and Rutgers like on a Friday night. Oh, good <laughs> lord! I'm, I'm like sitting on my that couch going, awful. "What am I doing watching this game? This is awful. Yeah. This is awful yeah. football." Yeah, my favorite teams suck. The Texas A&M Aggies offense is uh, is awful. Uh, the Houston Texans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever, man. Whatever. Y'all lost to Clemson, right? Didn't y'all just lose to Clemson? Yes, we lost to Clemson. We yeah. lost by a touchdown. But, I mean, look, you know, after the way Jimbo, you know, exited FSU, eh, it's a little funny to me. Whatever, man. Give it a year. We're going to win the national championship next year. All right. It's going to happen. Didn't you probably say that a year ago? I don't recall. I can either confor- confirm nor deny. Yeah, if, if, some of the the uh, Texas A M callers into the fall pine fine bomb show is some of the most hilarious. Dude, things. did you see? Did you see that clip of him from the pregame show? No. Oh my god! You gotta watch it. It was on the SEC Network pregame show. I'm, I, I, like, I watched. I watched game day. No, well, yeah, as does everyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> it was on Twitter, dude. He was making his pick. And they had a casket come out, and they played the Undertaker theme song. It was a Tennessee casket, and his pick was Tennessee. And the casket comes out, and he does the Undertaker. You gotta oh, look it funny. up. It's classic. Yeah, it's classic stuff. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, that was that was a crazy game, man. It was uh, nuts. Uh, but yeah, I'll be I'll be in Charlotte this weekend. Charlotte, so uh, we we uh, found a, a bar arcade, which has kind of become one of my go to spots. I, I love me a good bar arcade. Hell yeah, I got I got a friend in Charlotte. He he moved over there, and he told me that uh. He said, man, it's crazy to live in a market like this. Whenever Matt Rule got fired, all the TV channels broke into coverage of the live press conference. He's like, I've never lived in a market because we're from the Rio Grande Valley where we, the pro sports team is that important, right? To yeah. break into. But yeah, that was a, that was a big deal. So uh, yeah, you know, that Panthers team's got some issues, uh, you know, shout out to Robbie Anderson, now Arizona Cardinal. But, uh, yeah, hopefully you guys can write the ship, and uh, I look forward to watching that game, man. Uh, yeah, Buccaneers, man. man. Lot, every week of the NFL, y'all are just screwing me over on my pick I mean, so many teams. <laughs> every every week, like, we have three or four major upsets. I do not have a grasp on this NFL season other than the fact that I know the Bills and the Eagles are probably going to win. That's about it. Yeah, it's uh, – yeah, Charlotte. I've always, oh, uh, one of the things of the Charlotte press box – uh-huh. Krispy Kreme donuts. Wow, that's a is it hardly hot? Oh yeah. Oh, what's the what's the name of the Charlotte? What's the name of the arena there, Carolina? The stadium. Yeah, stadium. Bank of America Stadium. Uh, pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. They're trying to. Uh, I want to say they're trying to build a, a new one. I, I saw uh, the Titans in Nashville have come to agreement where they're going to put a dome stadium in Nashville. Wow. I would think, he, I, I, I guess, I, I understand probably why he would, but I would think, like, especially like in January football, I would think he wouldn't be outside so you can kind of embrace the elements. Yeah, I don't I don't know why they would want that, but I don't know, just trying to host another Super Bowl, get a new yeah. stadium, get a, get a Super Bowl. By the way, if any of our listeners have any recommendations for shows and movies 
for me to download my iPad. I'm, I'm going on a Germany flight in a couple weeks here. It's like, I don't know, seven hours, eight hours. I don't know how long it is. You got any recommendations for some shows or movies to watch? Let me know because I need to find some things to uh, take up my time. <laughs> Maybe you can watch the whole Jeffrey Dahmer TV show and people, the person next to you is going to be looking at you like you're some sort of freak. I've I've heard people watch that. I I gotta I want to watch the Manti Teo one. I haven't got a chance to watch that yet. Yeah, um, yeah. You gotta download some of those untold ones for sure. Those untold stories, the Manti Teo I, one. They have some good topics. Yeah, so. I want to watch um, the Jeter Thirty for Thirty uh, docu series on ESPN Plus. That's another one that's. Uh, I just you know, I'm so busy. I, <laughs> I just haven't time yeah. to really watch TV. Yeah, maybe. Uh, do they do they have like new movies as an option? Oh yeah. No? Oh I, yeah, maybe Black Adam that comes out this week. Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember I was looking at and Top Gun was on there, so um, yeah. I, mean, I remember watching what Top Gun as a kid. Well, dude, if you see uh, this movie called Barbarian on there, it's a horror movie. I like that one a lot. I'm not a big horror guy. Oh yeah, never mind. Yeah, I'm more I'm really- more like a comedy guy. Yeah, well, that's probably why yeah. I spend like like 45 minutes of time on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, which is about 400 TikToks. Dude, it's, yeah. Bro, there's there's some that are just goddamn hilarious. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, uh yeah, I do, in fact, love TikTok, which, uh you know, as does most of the world. It's, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I don't know how these people come up with it and how there's so many TikToks in the world, but it's a. Uh, Dude, yeah, it's I'm yeah. glad you, yeah. I, I just I, I go on there just looking for comedy. That's all I'm looking for. I'm looking for just give me a good laugh. That's all I need. Yeah. Well, the internet will provide you that in plenty. Yeah, you never know what's going to be the internet. The streets yeah. are crazy, bro. They are. They they be crazy. You know, Derek Lewis's Instagram feed is crazy enough. I I, I feel like I haven't seen some Derek Lewis post recently. Yeah, I don't know. Because even- the problem is everything you go on your Instagram feed is just video. Yeah, they're trying to copy TikTok. Oh, oh, yeah. That's that's what Instagram Reels is at this point. Oh, yeah, to- yeah. totally. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you on that one. But uh, I appreciate everyone tuning in for this edition of the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, be sure to check out our sponsor, NordVPN, for the offer they have for the MMA Report Podcast listener by going to nordvpn.com slash Report to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guaranteed so check out that. And when you hit that unique URL, let's them know here from the MMA Report podcast. Let's go wrap for this edition of the podcast. Uh, I am expecting to have a podcast on Sunday. Sorry, I didn't get one out last week, but uh, working on some interviews to record on Friday. So be on the lookout for that on Sunday. So let's go wrap it up for this edition of the MMA Report podcast. 